Jacked in. Have you ever wired tripped? You ready? Oh, no, oh, oh. <laughs> This is not like TV, only better. This is life. It's a piece of somebody's life. It's about the stuff that you can't have, right? The forbidden fruit, straight from the cerebral cortex. I mean, you're there, you're doing it, you're feeling it. Are you beginning to see the possibilities here? I am your main connection to the switchboard of souls. I'm the magic man. If it's got something to do with the wire, sooner or later it washes up on your beach. Fan mail from some flounder. It's the dark end of the street. How do you like it now? You'll cause it all. Everything. And gives it to you. Why me? There's more to this whole thing than you think. You missed the tape right now. You don't know how high up the food chain this thing goes. Do you know what this tape could do if it got out? I see the world opening up and swallowing us all. This is conspiracy paranoia. The issue isn't whether you're paranoid, Lenny. The issue is whether you're paranoid enough. No more games. Whatever's going on, you have to get out of here now. Get him out. This tape is a lightning bolt from God. It can change things, things that need changing before we all go off the end of the road. It'll be an all-out war, and you know it. No! Well, maybe it's time for a war. Go <laughs> on, oh, man, cheer up. World's gonna end in 10 minutes anyway. And here we go. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, the podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late-night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Adam Walker, and we've got a special episode here tonight. But joining me, as always, is Brandon Hayden and John Hoffman. Tonight, we have a special guest, the second of the season. It is our friend, Patrick Fiorentino. Is that how you pronounce Fiorentino, it? Fiorentino, say oh, it Why right. didn't we go over this? Why didn't we go over this? Yeah, I, I should have done this. Say your last name. Uh, Fiorentino. Nice. (laughs) Proper Italiano. There we go. Okay. So glad to have you on, Patrick. Thanks for agreeing to this. Um, We always love having guests. Yeah. And thanks for bringing a Ripper movie, too. Yeah. yeah. So so tonight's movie we're, we're talking about is Catherine Bigelow's and I would add, I'll add, like to add James Cameron because he had yeah. a pretty you can tell he had a pretty heavy hand in this 1995 what I would like to call cerebral stylish crime thriller Strange Days right 
Badass. So, yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, no, yeah. yeah oh, this yeah, is your good. movie. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, it's a just fantastic film. I don't know. I, I give it like just it's like a perfect film. It's one of my perfect films. Put it in the top ten. <laughs> well, um, slow, down, slow down there, buddy. Ageless. Yeah, <laughs> i'm just saying for me for me um uh yeah it's it's uh it's like it's just timeless at least for now maybe for for a while <laughs> i know um, we're i know we're just getting acquainted here but listen man good Bur- good burger is a perfect film don't don't be don't be making it. i got that on the shelf right here too okay i mean we'll see over my there cut, we got, my, we got a my, shelf full yeah my cousin <laughs> Vinny is a perfect oh. film okay mm-hmm. Oh, now we're now we're talking. Uh, so yeah, so this movie it, it stars uh, Rafe Fiennes. Speaking of pronouncing names correctly, Angela Bassett, Juliette Lewis. We got our our dude Tom Sizemore. This is a pretty wow. this is a pretty star studded cast. I'll tell you yeah. what, this is a real stacked enchilada of who's who uh, from Hollywood, and yeah, and. Patrick, what would you say? What would you give as a synopsis for this movie? Yeah, so like watching it, um, you know, it opens up. It's there's civil unrest. There's fires in the streets. It's the near future. It's uh, basically 2020 Portland, Oregon. There's yeah. an ex Amazon cop played by Ray Fiennes, and uh, you know his name is Lenny Nero. And then there's uh, he's kind of hung up on his ex-girlfriend who's from an only fans actress uh <laughs> played by <laughs> played by juliette lewis you know faith um let's see he uh his best friend just suffers him it's mace it's i think it's actually really about mace uh lornette mace mason um just a single mother um kind of high-end cab dr- or high-end kind of uh limousine driver and it's about her kind of helping un, un like uncover the uh corruption of the lapd mm-hmm. um and then kind of incidentally she has to just save her best friend lenny over and over and over again <laughs> i would i would i would like to point out centrally though that this is a tech futuristic tech driven sort of plot though this is based around lenny hustling a particular kind of futuristic device that is essentially like a drug. It's it's an illicit uh, contraband substance. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like a cyberpunk film, like especially mm-hmm. kind of when cyberpunk's kind of becoming more popular with the release of you know like whatever certain video games or whatever in the media. I'm like, this movie's already done a lot of this stuff. Um, Sega CD. Yeah, so, yeah, it's got yeah, yeah. They got the they got the GameCube disc that allows you to like replay other people's experiences fully, their visual, their feelings, their you know their emotions, um, and then play that back. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been like, I'm not sure. Actually, I haven't. I didn't take the time to really research like what the origin of this kind of idea is, but it seems like a pretty big piece of like sci-fi kind of tech. I've definitely it's seen definitely it in like other. Really, it's also got like a really dystopian kind of quality to it, like the the film in general. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
No, yeah. it's like yeah, society's at the edge of collapse. Right. Um, at, all, at all at all points, it shows throughout the movie, just like the wide shots of the chaos in the streets at all times and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. And I would say, so this gets into the budget, obviously. The budget was pretty large for this. And, you know, they had to, to, Cameron, to develop this. But it's pretty funny. I think uh, so far of the movies we talked about in this season, this is the most uh, wide gulf between budget and gross. It was a budget of $42 million and it grossed $8 million. So, wow. yeah, good, I mean, good lordy, hallelujah. Was to this make a good omelet, you got to, you know... <laughs> Gotta spend a couple milli. I, I and you know what? Crack I have a few million eggs. Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of speculation as to why this happened, and I don't think uh, at all it was on the part of any sort of fault of the movie itself. I think there's more to it that I would like to discuss. Maybe when we get into the film, but uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention we have a sponsor for tonight. So before we carry on, uh, Patrick, what uh, what is our sponsor for this evening? Oh yeah. Um, let me see. Let me play. The, <laughs> let me play. Let me play the clip. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to experience the soul through someone else's eyes? Well, now thanks to Squiddy Buddies, you can. Squiddy Buddy. Squiddy yeah. Buddies brought to you by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> so there you um, go. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, was anybody able to pick, pick, pull up any uh, critical responses to this? Any sort of talking head sort of uh, replies about this movie? Anybody? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't even bother looking into the review. Instead, I just I chose to spend that time watching the movie four times. <laughs> Man, it, this is a longer one too. I'm surprised, dude. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a trek. I finished this in the nick of time today. I would literally extended my daughter's nap time so I could finish it. Yeah, same here. <laughs> you will go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she kept coming in the room while I was trying to finish watching it. I'm like, Gracie, this is this isn't this is only for grown ups. You cannot watch this. <laughs> now we have Squiddy Buddies for kids. You want your kids to leave you alone while you're watching a movie? Squiddy Buddies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep those little runs occupied with squiddy buddies. That's right. I, need, uh, I really needed a squiddy buddy kids kids version <laughs> earlier today. Yeah. A well, I think buddy. our sponsor. I think we get twenty percent off. So, um, so I kind of mentioned this off uh, uh off the mic, but what I wanted you to do, Pat, is to talk about your relationship to this movie real quick. We're not going to talk about our own because, again, we got to kind of keep this concise. But I want you to talk about like why you picked this movie. You kind of already got a little too gushing with it huh? <laughs> right there from the beginning. But I don't know if you want to say anything else. Yeah, just try and breathe, kind of keep it. Yeah, keep it short. Well, I mean, you know, it's art, you know. So it's like we don't know why we like the things we like, you know. Like so, it's just like I can't, you can't explain it. But you have that feeling. You're drawn to it. You don't know why. You don't have to break it down. It's special. Yeah. But um. So it's one of those things. I don't know. Maybe I'm sick, but like, yeah, definitely since uh, I was a little kid, I was trying to think like it was one of those HBO movies, one of those like late night HBO movies where you're just like, this is incredible. Why isn't this like this is like people don't know about this film like this is up there with like, uh, you know, with, yeah, just with these other kind of cyberpunk movies or whatever hackers or these other kind of 90s uh, kind of capturing that vibe. Um 
And yeah, I just remember, uh, yeah, my brother climbed, climbed, I grew up in like rural Alaska. So we had like the cable box, like, like, uh, you know, the, whatever the, uh, the light pole or whatever that was on the pole outside, my brother climbed up it and pulled out the filters that gave us like all the channels basically that were available. Yeah. And then he just roasted them with like a a blowtorch and put them back in. So it looked like they were burnt out or something, you know, just some, some next level shit. Wow. And then we had we had HBO for free. Uh, Damn, that, that's pretty high tech. My mom worked for a telecable company. They just went and pulled the shit out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of had access to a bunch of these, like, yeah, probably two two fucked up movies. But that's um, a cyberpunk tale unto itself, right there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It just goes <laughs> goes deeper, deeper, and deeper. Just like wearing the squid of you watching me, watching you, right. watching me. You know, watch your brother pull this shit out. Yeah, I watched him feel it. I felt him do it. Oh, yeah, and now totally. you're feeling so. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, just, just like yeah, just like I said, like cyberpunk's kind of been coming up a lot. 2020, like us kind of delving into this, like the racial kind of like the the you know the social justice, like the the civil rights movements, all that. That's like there. That's just like the the police corruption, the brutality. Uh, accountability all these issues that are just like what is like this is all covered in this movie um yeah it goes in a lot of directions yeah it's a it's a it is a complex very densely layered movie so yeah i and i think it's funny that you are brandon's guest because we're seeing a theme here even through you and brandon that we keep seeing these kind of cerebral complex uh, cyber tech driven sort of plots here between the two of you. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm not going to get into like my uh, attachment to this movie or anything because we're short on time, but Patrick and I would watch this movie when we lived together. So mm-hmm. uh, Patrick actually showed me this movie. Uh, so like I said off mic, when I think of this m- movie, I immediately think of you. <laughs> well, it's also a special film as like, there isn't a lot of uh new year's Eve movies, you know? So it's a great new year's Eve movie. Like what else do we even have that, you know, we have what, like Forrest Gump. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually did think about Forrest Gump while I was watching this. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, it's cause it's up there. It's right up there. <laughs> That's, that remains to be seen, Senor. I mean, Another perfect movie. Just, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, do we have anything else to say before we get into the good, the bad, and the questionable? John? I mean, I just want to say that I remember when this movie came out and I never saw it. So, I mean, it's kind of cool to be able to see it now. I remember, like, it was just one of those movies where I, like, <clears throat> I mean, what was I, 12 years old in 95? Yeah, I just didn't really think to give a shit to see it. So, you know, it's great It's great that I, I saw it now. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it as well. So uh, without further ado, then, let's move on to the good, the bad, and the questionable.
is your movie. You go ahead, rattle it off. What are your goods? Yeah, so, I mean, the good, I mean, that like, uh, you know, Angela Bassett, uh, phenomenal actor, like, ridiculous, like, really carries the film. Um, and their character, you know, like, they're, like, they're the good character. Like, it's actually, and then... Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, and then, yeah, so it's like, that's kind of... I, I said the same. I, I I just said, I had written down just Angela Bassett's performances, knockout, all of all of the really dramatic scenes and stuff. They were very believable. And she's a oh, badass. Yeah. She's ripped. She yeah. kicks Lenny's ass a couple times. Like, yeah. Her tough her muscles in that movie, I was like... Oh yeah, they're, they're they're like they're somehow like defining these these muscles somehow like with the, the sim like the way that this is being filmed, um, it just stands out, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I she's she. I mean, I love Angela Bassett. Well, and it's funny too because this is like a Terminator Two thing, you know. Linda Hamilton got all ripped for that that role. Also, you know, uh, uh, Cameron picture. Um, I would love to see the two of them fight. I think think that would be a good fight, honestly. Hell yeah. Yeah, I did want to say that I think all around, these are just great performances. It's great cast and great performances. Like really, everybody really shines in this movie. Obviously, there are some that kind of stick out a little bit more than others. Angela Bassett being one of them and Ray Fiennes and uh, I love i tom sizemore is one of my favorite like real life and movie generally movie fucking scumbag type yeah totally (laughs) i I agree his film i mean his his role in natural born killers his role as the fucking like slick talking uh bad guy in heat Mm. and then in saving private ryan even he was i mean he's like really malleable to his role or whatever yeah, well, I mean, he always plays a scumbag, but like in different settings, basically. And I don't think it's really too much of a stretch to say it's not method acting. I think this guy, he was gen, he's genuinely like kind of a scummy dude. So, and, and let's just yeah, let's just mention it's real good to see Michael Wincott in a in a, another fine scumbag role. Yes, I yeah. always think of this guy as the guy from The Crow. Yeah, I think it's the same person. Like I think it, I think they actually live in the same universe yeah. because he's playing the same yeah. like producer, scraggly like like fucked up drug like and like you know like like he's like a he's like a drug lord but he's also you know musician producer like it's kind of the same character yeah. as in the crow yeah <laughs> i was stoked that that vincent d'onofrio d'onofrio was in this yes yeah. uh, also I, right. I wasn't i mean like you know i wasn't expecting to see him in this um again him, he, was fucking, he was fucking awesome in this movie i thought yeah he plays such a good fucking just like degenerate scumbag seriously just unhinged he it's like he's reprising his role in full metal jacket as just being a totally unhinged individual yeah or the cell you know like it's like <clears throat> yeah oh this guy's a cop okay of course right let's see what <laughs> other kind of fucking crazy debauchery he can get up to <laughs> so what i wanted to oh go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say um what I wanted to say right off the top too is this movie just just really gets going immediately and doesn't let up. Yeah. It's just one of those movies oh, yeah. that right from the get go, 
it's action packed and like really adrenaline charge and it just doesn't let up. Yeah. Throughout the whole movie. It's just pedal which to the is, metal. Which is hard to it's hard to pull off with a movie with such a, a long what did you say it's two hundred it's two two, two, two and a half hours. Two, right? two hours twenty five minutes, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean you know, to, for for nineteen ninety five also and also for James Cameron having a, a, a hand in this, uh, I'm I was happy that there was no weird like romantic interlude, uh, yeah. like like there's no like dumb unnecessary sex scene in the middle of the movie like that would that right. you could have easily thrown that in there and it would have been on par with what this should have been yeah. And I yeah. And uh, right, and that, that you touched on that. I just I wanted to point out that was one thing in my good the the little bit of romance that's in there. It's stuck in appropriately. They don't totally. stick around. It was actually appreciated that Mason Len- Lenny kind of like put it together at the end of the movie. You know. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Uh, so I just want to state that I really think that that Jericho one track fucking is a banger. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and just the character of Jericho One in general, I really, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I love that character. So I was also really happy because I immediately recognized him as the dude in Speed who gets yeah. who gets his vehicle <laughs> commandeered. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know the dude's name, like the actor's name, but <laughs> when I saw him, I'm like, that's that fucking hilarious guy in Speed. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's like you said, Adam, <clears throat> where it just kind of kicks in. There's a thing that really irritates me in movies where, you know, you're you're being you're being let in as the viewer to a snapshot of a world that's supposedly already existing, and to like fast track you into it. They have dialogue a lot in these movies where, you know they're really talking to the audience to initiate you into it through their dialogue to make it seem normal. That is super camp, like just canned and stupid in many, many movies, but I really like how they do it in this movie, right from the intro, that whole setting scene. And then the dude falls and then he just whips the thing off. He's like, damn it. I can't do blackjack clips. You know, I don't deal in that. And you immediately get launched into this dude is, like fencing this bootleg thing in this like kind of mod, not too distant future. I th- immediately, you know what's happening in the movie and they didn't have to let it on in such a on the nose way that we're only saying this to, um, you know, cue the audience in. I thought that was really well done in this movie. Uh, I wanted to uh, go back to what you were kind of talking about also, Patrick, with how, you know, the themes of this movie were, they were um, appropriate for the time, but also are ongoing in terms of like this discussion that we have to keep having here in society. And it's about, you know, obviously uh, police brutality, systemic racism, you know, the, the, uh, this overwrought, in, constantly on the edge of the end of the world sort of scenario that we keep facing with this phase of capitalism that just never seems to end. And I love the fact that like this movie, it's interesting because it is a nineties movie that there is aspects of it that are kind of dated, but it's also, there's aspects of it that are very, um, I guess uh, they were very good at foretelling the future 
as far as, you know, projecting into what you were saying, like what happened, you know, in, in 2020 with the George Floyd stuff, but also was, you know, speaking back to what was happening at the time with the Rodney King riots and things yeah. like that. Just these like things that we keep kind of, you know, <laughs> we keep stepping into here or not being able to resolve. I think it's interesting too that like, well, actually, I'm going to let Patrick respond to that first because I know you were kind of addressing it. <laughs> so my bad. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, it's just because like, yeah, we're on the, the good. What's good about the movie is just like the climax scene kind of like, like they really build the movie in such a great way. And then the climax scene just with Angela Bassett is just like, gets it, it got me pumped. Like I watched it just today yeah. again and I was just like true just like because it kind of like it's the celebration of like of uh y2k you know like it's so it's coming down to that it's that night the energy's there they're like that's probably where they busted their whole budget there's all these aerial shots of like the most confetti i've ever seen yeah and all those extras and shit in the movie yeah like just so much confetti i'm just like so many balloons i was like wow okay and she's like fighting these cops these bad Dude. cops and she like kicks their asses uh, that yeah. scene i have that on my good too just how bad ass yeah. her fuckery of these cops are single-handedly yeah just, yeah just kicks their asses in front of everybody and then just like then the swat team shows up and just that and then like then it ends with like you know them beating her up and her asking for help from the whole crowd and then yeah then that comes to comes uh, comes ahead when like a kid jumps on this cop's back and then everybody just kind of swarms but um you know you get you get this like this bubble over event i guess that they're building up to that you're just like okay okay and it's her doing it so you're just like oh man like you know so i'm glad that they put put that charge into her hands making her a strong female person of color lead that is is really kind yeah. of propelling the direction here of of the plot yeah and there's like there's so many there, it's like also a really goofy movie too like there's so many one-liners there's like i almost wanted to like count the one-liners because there's so many and then to be able to to mix that with like you know and some of the themes and like scenes are like the most horrible things too and it's just like it's just yeah how did yeah. the just like kind of well, yeah like like the seriousness so, so that's what kind of makes it more the cyberpunk feel too is there's like there's some comedy to it and then there's also just like the ultimate horrors of yeah like late capitalism or like this dystopian future yeah right so what were you gonna say john go ahead yeah i was gonna just kind of respond directly to like what you were acknowledging but i also i find it interesting where this movie kind of falls in the timeline of society in general because one thing I was thinking about is like as you were talking is like, okay, all that shit with Rodney King happens in the early 90s, right? At some point, Bill Clinton gets elected and I feel like white liberals kind of forget about that for a long time, for decades basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. But that is always happening. Right. But you yeah. know, 1995 is the year of this movie. This movie comes out and basically spells it all out. But I feel like I can see a lot of people just watching that and being like, you know, more white liberals watching this James Cameron movie and being like, wow, that's fucking crazy. That's not not real, you know, but it's like this movie comes out and does that. So then we have another 
25-ish years until George Floyd happens. And now it's like that movie is what society is now critically thinking about. Again, right? Yeah. Just, just everything I just said, like think about that for a minute. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Right. I would say, yeah, we're dealing with a repeat of that exact sort of scenario right now where we're like, you know, we had this powder keg sort of scenario here with 2020, all these things kind of confluencing at once that like could have led to the brink of like some serious revolutionary systemic change. And what do we do? We uh, elect Joe Biden. And we forget again. <laughs> and then we forget again. Exactly. Precisely. But, but see, the, the difference here is that this is going to be like like the roller coaster back then was like up, down, up. <laughs> and this roller coaster is going to be like billion years now. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like Juliet Lewis says in this movie. You know what the thing I like about movies is? Is the credits run and the music, and you know when it's over. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this shit ever going to be over? Yeah. So, well, yeah, go ahead. I was going to go back to talking about like why I, my speculations, and you kind of touched upon this, John, with what you're saying with white liberals as to why this was a flop and why, and like this is a thing with James Cameron movies. It's also with Avatar. James Cameron actually, through his movies, doesn't really pull any punches when it comes to criticizing things that a lot of people don't want to criticize in major motion pictures. And this is a very anti-cop movie. Right. There is like, very and like, you know, that right there, that's a good way to put a kibosh on your movie. Having success. I think in a lot of ways, avatar, this last one had just got critically lambasted and it's a very anti-imperialist, anti-military movie. You know, so I mean, during a time during a time where you've still got very much pro cop movies coming out, right? You know, exactly. like I mean, I'm think I'm looking at the year that Copland came out, you know, '97, which I don't know if that's necessarily like it 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 doesn't have to be a pro cop movie, you know, but people are gonna use that as a pro cop movie if, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Like people are gonna see that and be like. Yeah, law enforcement, you know, even right. if it's not necessarily what they were going for. You know what I mean? So I'm just thinking there's only two years between these two movies. Right. You know, so it's like this movie comes out during a time when there's absolutely like 10 to 1, no, 100 to 1 pro cop movies coming out at this time. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, like, yeah, a movie like this is inevitably going to get buried. Well, and the other thing that I would say about a movie like this, it maybe is like a, a weird parallel, but it's kind of like the how Candyman is about something extremely serious, but rather than just being so on the nose in a way that it's like, I feel like I'm being preached to or something, yes. it's very um, entertaining and inclusive to the point, point where it like invites you into these ideas that they're trying yep. to, the Cameron, and because and, 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 he wrote the story of this, trying to express in a way that doesn't feel like you're being talked at. Totally you know? hit the nail on the head with that. I, I mean, just case in point, I'm watching this movie and like 30 minutes in, I'm like, Oh, it, it's that move. It's that kind of movie. All right. Yeah. Right. But it's like, it, it didn't, it just, it just, it's like a, 
it's like a very, very well-written sub, like sub motivation, you know? Yeah. Right. It makes you feel good about going, okay, I'm a little more enlightened to this perspective that I already knew about, but I conveniently don't think about. It definitely didn't hurt me when it came to getting amped about this movie while I was watching it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to chime in on about Patrick? Um, no, I think I think that's um, well. I guess I guess you were mentioning it the the music. You know, the music. I think the music in the films pretty awesome. Like, uh, I guess I guess I'm gonna have some stuff actually for the bad for that too. But <laughs> overall. Um, like uh uh she's um sorry the character uh faith uh julia Luce's character she's in a band that's like has a few performances and i looked it up and they're actually covers of pj harvey songs yeah, uh, yeah. And that's what i was like i was like this is actually pretty good i was like what's going on and like i was like oh okay that's why yeah so it was like some of that stuff just that vibe just that dirty yeah that dirty vibe but there's a, c- a couple like round of rock and roll perf- performances that are like look pretty badass one in that last scene too where she has like some crazy face paint i haven't oh, found yeah. out what band that was but like some of them are pretty slamming songs that's uh <laughs> skunk anasazi is that oh okay that, group that you're referring to but yeah i do love the fact that this is like um uh pj harvey uh a proxy sort of band with julia lewis <laughs> playing the role of pj harvey uh and as opposed to say brain scan where i didn't think that that the 90s soundtrack aspect really worked i actually really like it in this there is performances (laughs) by testament there's prong there's actually like pretty pretty notable musical performances i I, I I liked i also liked like juliette lewis's band just like really complimenting the like 90s fucked up nightclub you know, yeah, like yes. like this nightclub it perfectly, perfectly set is set in this like dystopian like everything's fucked up universe. Like there, mm-hmm. it was, it's a perfect place to have like ten different scenes of this movie at. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I love that they keep going back there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because I feel like this is another trope that doesn't get revisited as much, maybe. You know, we talk about different churros for different eras of movies, but that giant complex, like underground concert, like just filled with every sort of species of debauchery sort of theme is definitely a 90s thing. Like, I remember uh, we talked about, what was it, uh, Rumble in the Bronx. Also, yeah. same thing. There's like go-go dancers with tigers and well, you know. okay, yeah. What, what about what about the scenes in that other movie that Michael Wincott is in that we all know him from, The Crow? Those yes. live scenes, you know, of like um, uh, there's my life it? with a thrill kill called is in one. Yeah, and then uh, the other one is Medicine, I think, is a band. Yeah, it's that song Time Baby. Yeah, and it just looks insane. It's like that would never. A fire marshal would shut that shit down in a second. People fucking hanging from shit, flying all over the place. Well, you got to also consider that a fire marshal basically doesn't exist in this movie. Well, that's what I mean. It's like they're showing this in this dystopian kind of situation. There's just like no real rules. Any of the wide shots of of. They're driving down the street and they're looking out in the street and just the chaos that's happening just mm. abound everywhere. 
this this movie is Escape from L.A. meets Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny you should say that because I was thinking it was RoboCop 2. You know that first scene where it's like they tr- get the nuke and then the prostitutes beat the du- dude up. Let's nuke me, baby. And then the fucking car slams in <laughs> into the gun store. One thing right after the other, I immediately got that kind of feeling of like, yeah. No, oh, yeah. It's just Wild West. No, there were no, some funny no flashes and like flashes of imagery in the background. There's a lot of shots of that. And like, I'm just like watching them like, this is Portland today. You know, yeah. like I drive that. <laughs> just yeah. well, there was like a scene where there was like, like some women beating up a Santa Claus. Yeah. That's yeah. totally like that. that. that might like, have been Robocop. <laughs> it's like, I was like, what's happening back here? Well, that's yeah, what I, I I kind of want the drive by, like like Brandon mentioned earlier. Like the, the there's so many, there's like so many shots in this movie where it's just drive by. Okay, but for eight seconds, let's show how fucked up the world is right now. Yeah, yeah but somebody know. thought to put a Santa Claus in the wait, 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 in, like in the director, you know, the writing room. Let's make the guy in a Santa suit and some fucking pros beating the shit out of him. Awesome. Yeah, and I wanted to ask, like, how, uh, like, obviously at this point, you know, the movie's trying to speculate, well, at that point, four years later into the future from when it was written, but, you know, and, and clearly some of those sort of crazy scenes of societal decay existed at the time, obviously existed in 1999. How much do you think, though, that, like, all of what's happening in this movie is clearly fully represented? in urban society right now do you think it's a pretty realistic representation of how things are right now uh, i'm gonna say no because it is there's aspects of it like like i think it illustrates it very well okay but an illustration is differently is different than a photograph obviously so i do i do not think that like this utter chaos exists anywhere in the world i do think that you could drive down any block in one of the worst areas and get the same exact feeling, Mm. you know, but no, I don't think it's like picture for picture accurate. I think it's definitely embellished for a film. But it's what the news would think, would want you to think that downtown Portland was like, like right now, you know, they'd be like, look what they're doing to their city. And then they'd show like, you know, the stock footage of a car burning or something. Yeah. It's the same thing in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that when you asked that close question, my knee-jerk reaction was Hastings Street in like Eastern Vancouver, BC, where yeah. there's the fucking methadone clinic, the safe injection sites, and all the welfare offices in one zone to try and keep the quote urban detritus in one area and keep mm-hmm. the rest of the place, you know. I mean, drive to the Black Lab to play a show, and there's fucking like needle landmine you know, Oof. everywhere, like minefield of shit. Like it's pretty I mean, chaotic I, in places, but like you said, that's not everywhere. I've I certainly think, been to places like that. I think it's important to acknowledge that it doesn't really matter if it's like exactly like that or not. It's like fucked up beyond belief to the, like it's, it's the same thing. You know, you might not be able to like drive down the street and see what you see in this movie where it's just like every single corner of the the town is just like the apocalypse and 
trash cans on fire, people getting the shit beaten out of them. I mean, that that's what a riot looks like, obviously. But that's not what a city that's like just at 3 p.m. in the day looks like, even the worst areas. Look at – I mean, I'm I'm the only person here from Chicago, I think. Yes. But it's like – I mean, the whole Chirac concept that like is put out there is not – it's – it's just as bad. It just doesn't look like what people are saying it's look it looks like. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like it doesn't matter because it is just as bad. It's just not visually the same spectacle that they're almost fantasizing in a way. You know what I mean? Sure. I think what, what you're trying to say basically is we have these sort of scenarios, but they're not all compact, obviously, for – you know, Hollywood's purposes, but they're definitely right. there and they're kind of dispersed a little bit more, you know, throughout the day-to-day existence in, in you know, a, any sort of urban. Exactly. You know, urban, and I, and I think, that, like, I think that there, that's where like the fantasy aspect, cause you could be reporting something very bad, but still know that you need to keep people's attention. So it's mm-hmm. like, there's like this, you know, kind of like fantastic depiction of it. That's, it's like, yeah, you said it well too. So, so I want to go through one last time, give any goods that we might have on this, and then we'll move on to the bad. Any any other goods that you guys want to recap or talk about? Uh, yeah, really, really specific and really simple. I fucking I'm so glad that they showed Macy take off her high heels and start booking it. That you know, like at the <laughs> end scene, I fucking hate that in movies. Well, yeah, this ass-kicking superhero chick in fucking heels? No, that ain't real, guy. There ain't no fucking way. So I'm glad that they just showed that because I'm this person where it's like I try and suspend my disbelief and I can't. So the fact that they showed that just made me – it was a little service to a pedantic it's, asshole like me. Yeah, it's directed, directed by a woman, you know, so it's like – It's like the writing – the writing didn't super seem like it was like directly or like writing written by a woman, but like the directing, you're like, yeah, this is this is sick, you know. Like, it's all about you just know, beating up Lenny the whole time. Like, Lenny's a piece of shit. Everybody yeah. knows it. Like, everybody <laughs> clowning on Lenny all day long. Right. Fuck Lenny. It simultaneously depicts how shitty women are treated while also having a powerful female lead. So yeah. it's like. It's like, yeah, if the movie was just about prostitutes getting beaten up or exploited, then, you know, you don't really get to see the empowerment that you you would theoretically hope for. But you get both in this, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and, like, the love is still there, like, even though, like, a lot of these characters are screwed over by, yeah, basically, like, Lenny, they still, like, love him, like, and that's, like, that's really interesting, like, that kind of, uh... Yeah, that, that sacrifice that's still kind of there for this fucking idiot is just like, you know, unfortunate but kind of realistic feeling. Sure. Speaking of that, I have one more last good I want to throw in there. And that's just a – I always like when it's like the lead is just – it's kind of like the screwball the screwball cop. You know, like he's not he's, – he's, he has his moments and he's clearly like – persistent and doesn't stop trying you know but at the same time your your lead character is still a fucking fuck up and also kind of an asshole you know so it's like 
he's a well-written character. I mean, he's yeah. he's a, he's a developed character. They, we do have some good character development in this movie. Whoa, what's going on here? Oh, uh, just uh, had some dogs and friends show up from Tucson. Dog, dog friend dog party. party. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to say about. Um, the good, this is really my last good is I'm glad they explained where the whole squid thing came from. And there, you know, when, when he's talking to that lawyer or whatever, trying to sell him on, on the clips and he's like, yeah, I know. What do you know? Well, I know it was made to um, replace FBI wiretap or whatever. Like, okay, cool. That again, a person who is very pedantic, like myself, who picks apart the little shit movies Right there, there's that's all the explanation I need to be able to take me along with this science fiction element of this movie. You know, yeah, it does help. I still have some questions about the science, but at least it helps to explain why something like this would enter into civilian life. Which that's a thing, and this in in this country in particular, a lot of things do enter into civilian life from being some sort of military project or some sort of, you know, some sort of thing that is trying to be harnessed by institutional purposes. So like the internet, internet's a prime example. Internet was, you know, a thing that was used for the government by the military. And then it got expropriated into regular civilian life. Or the dark web and, you know, created by the Navy. (laughs) It's <laughs> like what the fuck? Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Last last thing. I'm really sorry. I have to point this out because I just thought about uh, just the the Mighty Ducks overlap here. Mister Ducksworth from the Mighty Ducks playing the commissioner. I just want to say that's <laughs> that's why I recognized him. That's an immediate sell for me. So that's an immediate good right there. I just got yeah. Say. I like the idea of trying to put this movie into the same universe as the Mighty Ducks. Well, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like imagine he he became the uh, the the. The hockey guy, the hockey. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, he's just a law. F- uh, he's just actually a, a law firm. Wait a guy. minute. So ducks came first, and then he, or this came first, and then he went. I went Danny Glover with. I'm too old for this shit. Then became. The I want to. Yeah, I want to go that <laughs> way. I want to. I want to imagine Mighty Ducks post post <laughs> that, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Well, great. Uh, I think we're moving along pretty well. So let's go into the bad. And if if you guys remember, think of any good, you can go back to it. But let's move into the bad. Patrick, you think this is a perfect movie, so you got no bads, right? <laughs> well. Oh, my one bad is uh, that prong cover of The Doors, Strange Days. Strange Days, yeah. Yeah. Oof, man, okay. I can fuck off. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not sure what's up with prong, but, you know. That's not a great song. No, it's a, it's that game with the table tennis. Uh, that don't oh, worry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's I. Yeah, I kind of like had to look that up. I was like, "Was that the Doors song?" I was like, "What was that?" And then looked it up, and I was like, "Oh man, this is rough." It was like '90s covers, and they were just really trying, really trying that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I like early prong a lot, but definitely there's there, there's definitely a pretty quick uh, uh, decline in prong's output from about like the mid '90s on for me. So 
not yeah. disagreeing with you on that. <laughs> but um, the other, I guess, because like my first good was really about kind of Mace, and then so I'd say the bad, of course, is Max, uh, who's Tom Sizemore's character, who's just like it's like Raphian finds his Lenny, and then his like awesome fucking friend that's Mace, and then like his shitty friend who's you know max and like that's also kind of a thing that's kind of interesting in the film is like yeah like realizing that this is a this is kind of like a drug like these are uh whatever they're like doing playback they say or whatever it's like it's like these are like junkies they're all kind of like sharing in this kind of subculture thing as they're kind of like uncovering this kind of uh kind of this detective work to figure out who you know who who caused these murders or like what's going on here um so like that, yeah, that's just like interesting because it's like that puts all these characters on a different level, including Lenny. It's like Lenny and Max and like all the other people who are kind of doing playback. It's like they're kind of like ethically on this same, or like you know they're they're addicted to this kind of stuff. So it's like really interesting to see how many times they kind of play, uh, you know, this the you know the tape was we, I don't know yeah. what, what to call it, you know, the the tape that has kind of the worst scene. Right. Like three or four people watch that film. Like watch that. They're like they're like pass that around. They're like, You gotta watch this. Oh, yeah. this is horrible. And it's like it's like but when you're watching it, you're experiencing the whole thing. Like every horrible act that happens, you're 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 living it. So it's like but they're still like, Hey, you gotta watch this for yourself. Like they keep passing around. It's like, wait, what the fuck? Oh, because they're they're like experienced junkies, you know? So they're yeah. just like oh, that's horrible, but like Okay, why did you do? Why did you pass it to that guy? Like what? <laughs> right, yeah. I, I have that in my bad as well. As far as uh, Tom Sizemore's or Max's reaction to watching the video, clearly, as we find out <laughs> later, that he's the one or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, but it's like he's like having this orgasmic experience, or he's being like abducted by a fucking alien spacecraft when he's sitting there with his Chinese food, and then he plays off. Well, lost my appetite forever. Yeah. It's because they are orgasming, because like that's what's in that f- it's in that film. So it's yeah. like they're they're nutting, and then they're like, "That was horrible." It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, and you know, that's kind of like that's what's like, yeah, really fucked up about this piece of equipment too. Is like, yeah, the you know the rabbit hole of things you can do with it or whatever experience with it. Right. Well, and I think that says a lot to you know. If we've all known people, or I would assume we've known people that have struggled with addiction issues. So, you know, you have these people that you think fundamentally they're good. Like, let's say, like, uh, with Lenny, they they have a good heart, but they're clearly addicted to something. They're hooked on this, so it makes them do really dumb, shitty things. And so it makes your relationship with them more complex. You're like, man, this kind yeah. of person's kind of an idiot and is fucking up a lot, but I love them. So I guess I'm going to help them or, you know, like where do I draw the line with participating or enabling them <laughs> you know, yeah. in, their, in their fuck up. <laughs> and then they're like, Hey man, I got this really, really shitty Coke this weekend. Ah, oh, it sucked so bad. Here, have some. Yeah, You want to do something? <laughs> they're like, yeah. And they're like, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, pass on the stepped on Coke. Hey, because it's all yeah. we got right now. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Mace, Angela Bass is just like, what? Fuck that. I don't fuck with that stuff. You guys are like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, I have a very contrary hot take bad. <laughs> uh, all of the musical performances and music. <laughs> fucking couldn't stand it 
couldn't stand it. Well, and, and after listening to what you guys said and and my respect for the PJ Harvey connection and stuff, I think part of part of why I couldn't stand this because I watched the movie with subtitles and you can see all the lyrics and the lyrics are fundamentally just stupid in a lot of these songs. What the song when Lenny is. It's like in the first 20 minutes of the movie and he was in his car making some calls. <laughs> One of the lyrics, I had to write it down. I like your smelly fingers. Your yeah, smelly fingers too. from the sex. <laughs> That's a great one. I, I noticed this too because I watch everything in subtitles. Yeah. I, can't, I can't not watch a movie without subtitles. I, yeah. I remember seeing that too. I'm like, God fucking damn it. Fuck and, <laughs> well, and I will say that the music for this movie is right on point. It's right what it should be, but I guess that says something about my t- my appreciation for that type of music from the '90s. <laughs> Fucking don't like it. So. That's funny how we're like pretty diametrically opposed on this in relationship to what our opinions were on Brain Scan, which there's a lot of parallels to this movie and Brain Scan because it was just there. These were themes that were being explored during that time, right? You know, so uh, yeah. John, am I going into my bads now? You are certainly going into your bads. All right, today. let's do this. I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm going to start with my hot take that you guys are might actually kick me off of the podcast for. <laughs> you yeah. say that every time. I know, but this is the, a really bad one. The you guys preface is. I just wonder. I can't. You guys are going to get fucking pissed. I fucking hate Juliette Lewis. I knew it. I knew you were <laughs> yeah. coming in with that I one. Did, I did too. I did yeah. too. You guys know me too well. We're like brothers at this point. <laughs> but dude, if, if Juliette's character in every movie she's in gets shot in the head in the first five minutes, fine. Dude, California. What the fuck? You don't love that movie? I mean, let's just say that I can't envision – okay, Juliet Lewis in What's Eating Gilbert Grape is Juliet Lewis in every movie. I'm sorry. Like the, the whole like ah, – like I just want somebody to fucking – I want someone to tase her for too long and fucking kill her. See, uh, I was like trying to think of this when we were talking about the goods because I was going to bring up Juliet Lewis, but then I was like going to – preface it by saying i know one of you do not like juliet lewis but i'm gonna say that i'm a big fan of the fact that like throughout most of this movie she's basically naked so sign me up tasty hoots you know what like fucking buy. i will absolutely 100 give you that and also because i am constantly a critical thinker and never biased i will (laughs) say that juliet lewis is very good in this movie yeah Um, there you go her character is on point yeah, but it's, you know, it's like uh, is yeah. the acting bad or is the character just really stupid? It's like it's you know it's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it's like uh, you know, let's say that like Donald Trump was actually really really good at like football, you know, <laughs> and let's say he like won the Super Bowl for my favorite team, I'd be like. Okay, this is like I've been waiting for this for like decades, but fuck this guy. <laughs> you had to get there through these resources, seriously. Yeah, so that's how I feel about Juliet Lewis is like in anything. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's funny you so, should mention that because when Chris and I were watching it earlier, I'd deposit and go, "Who is it that we know that hates Juliet Lewis?" I think Chris from Endorphins hates Juliet Lewis as well. Wow. Right? But there's a thing that Juliet Lewis does in 
all of her films that I know she brings, and it's not in the script, she over says the character she's talking to their name when she's talking to him. It's like, there's no one else in the fucking room. Of course you're talking to Nero. Why do you have to say Lenny's name? He's the only one here. Is it like to express sincerity? <laughs> you know? I, thought, I thought you were going to say there's a constant and that she huffs a can of aerosol before she acts. In any <laughs> Dude, that's that- why she's perfect in California. Perfect. Well, I, I thought you were going to say like she just she does that lip thing. She's got the lip kind of like pout to her. Like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. She's I mean, got California and is she's, really, dude, really a good movie. And she's got a forehead that just won't quit. She's got a five head. <laughs> Hell yeah. She's got five heads. She's got a lot of things that won't quit. But um, <laughs> all right, well, that's enough bagging on Juliet Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 believe it or not, I've actually been trying to move on from this point. <laughs> move on. Let's, let's move on. Um, second thing, okay. I always say something about like the plot that fucking pisses me off. It's not a questionable. It just enrages me. So the they're the scene where they're you know driving the car into the water after they they blow up the car. Yeah. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, I thought that scene was sick. Right? Yeah, it's sick. I but love that scene too. There's two things that I just wasn't buying, and it's not because it's a questionable, it's just because it's bad. And that is when the dog just happens to come and bite the leg of the guy before you get like, God, I hate when people can't fucking write. Well, then they shoot people cannot then they shoot write. then they shoot the dog. It's like Fuck, there's the bad. The student shot it. They're like, these cops yeah. are bad guys, that's, okay? Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> but why did they have to just shoehorn that in? And then the conclusion of it is shooting a dog. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> you know? I, you know what? I think it's I'm, good writing. You know, you got to show even... how evil they are right off the bat. Yeah. If it, was a, if it was a kid, if a kid bit the kid guy and then he shot the kid, that would have been better. I, I don't give a shit about animals one way or another, so that doesn't bother me. But I will say I will say that like even if like they just fucking really like lurched forward and just grabbed the gun out of his hand, I would accept that before a dog just conveniently coming out and biting like fuck you, man. You are paid thousands of dollars to do this more than I am. Fucking get it right. Yeah. You know? Sure. So I hated that. I also in that same sequence, they're waiting for them to swim up. And then right, right before they get to the surface, they're like, let's get out of here. <laughs> You've got a fucking gun. You're trying to kill these people. You're not going to give up after three seconds and go. Yeah. Yeah. Hate that. Um, and then I have one more and this is the last of it. I won't rant anymore after this, but uh <laughs> This line theoretically should have been awesome and in one of my top quotes, but I hated it. Um, when he says – he's talking about the commissioner and he's like, his ass is so tight. If he farts, only dogs can hear it. That, oh, yeah. that should be a genius quote, but it, it wasn't. I, I think that quote is just – I just – I that's like – that's the equivalent of like a tryhard in the writer's room. And then for some reason, people let him get away with it. I well, think it was, was probably – Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, there's the other one that was a similar where you said that Lenny could sell – a rat's asshole as a wedding ring or something like that. <laughs> so there's a bunch of asshole humor here. Uh, too. Yeah. I think that quote is actually awesome. It's just delivered so, a lot better. Somebody in the writing room just had a butt agenda. They're like, this is funny. This is funny. Let's write it into the movie somehow. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. could never, I could never deny a quote about a rat's asshole. So that's okay. <laughs> that's okay with me. But yeah, I didn't like the other one. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, the rest of the movie was fantastic. I wanted to piggyback off of what you were talking about with the commissioner that I thought was kind of a bad. Uh, I just, I don't want to buy this idea that the commissioner is going to be the one that's going to come in and save the day there. You know, if we're going to talk about police corruption, let's just keep it consistent. They're corrupt all the way to the fucking top. I don't care how, how much you want to talk about how this guy is the, you know, the most moral staunchly all, you know, staunchly by the book guy. He's yeah, not. that 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 is what is I, I agree with you because like if you're gonna if you're gonna it would be one thing if you were trying to like focus on his morality, but really what they're saying his sell for that guy is that he's very by the books. Well, where why are you this is an anti cop movie. Why are you ignoring that by the books means corruption? Oh, that, right. is what, that is what by the books is. If you go against that, you are not going by the books when it comes to law enforcement. Right. Yeah, so I felt like there was a little inconsistency there. Um, but also, just in general, obviously, bad, bad cops. Cops are bad. Hate cops. <laughs> Fuck them. There you go. <laughs> uh, questionable. What questions do we well, have? I, 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 oh. I, I, okay. I know we can Woo. We can edit this or whatever, but let me just back it up for a second because there's Fuck something you, I want to point out. Uh, uh, I had a lot of things that I could – Put into the bads, but um, the one that just I cannot look past is the fucking scene where they're on their way to the Regent Hotel after Lenny sees the playback of Iris getting killed or whatever. And Mace drives him down there and he's like, I gotta get there. And as soon as they get there, you know, he's going, Well, maybe it didn't really happen. And there's ambulances and shit outside, and their coroners are pulling out the body. And they, for some reason, right then when he's looking, flip back the sheet <laughs> to see Iris's face and then flip it back over. There ain't no fucking way with all the news anchors and shit around. They would reveal the identity of any body coming out of a fucking this, hotel. This sounds like a questionable to me. It's yeah, not this a questionable. Is questionable. This is not a questionable at all. It's a, I fucking hate that scene. <laughs> all right. All right. I well, hate it. Like he shows up perfect timing. Well, maybe it didn't happen. Oh wait, no, there she is rolling out. There's her face. You're right, dude. This is not a questionable. This is a bad, the same way I have some bads. You're yeah, right. Right. Anyway, yeah, right. we can move well, on. As, as I said, you know, we kind of discussed, uh, there is some fluidity to some of these categories. That was just like shoehorned in real quick. I feel like it was it was it was shoehorned in to just be like, okay, yeah, it did happen. Now Nero knows. There's probably like some studio executive that's like, I don't get it. At this part, <laughs> how does he know that it's not just faked? And they're like, fuck, okay. Just well, right. he's like, no, so, no, no. I want to see that. And then months later, they're like, cool. He's like, you didn't add the thing I wanted. I, I and mean, then they, they did it. Right. It's like John was saying about the dog. They could have gone with, you know, Max giving him the the scoop that you know this person died at this hotel, or he sees something on the news, or he hears a police report because he's an ex cop. Anything other right. than he shows up, she's rolling out right then. Flip back to no coroner would ever do that shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. That's it. That's all you got. Well, is, is, is that all you got? Hey, well, I got others, but don't worry about it. It's they're minutia. 
Okay, well, because well, it sounds like you've got a lot of questions. So, but before we get to you, let's take it back to the top. Uh, Patrick, do you have any questions that you would like to discuss with this uh, movie? I mean, there's the questionable, you know, it's Lenny. It's Lenny's character. Where does he stand on this moral scale? You know, it's like he's an ex-cop. Yeah. So he's still a piece of shit. Like, he didn't, like, quit and shit like i'm pretty sure they kicked him out like he yeah. still wanted to be a cop he's still a piece of shit but or is he a good guy you know that's that's where i he, guess i was taking the good bad the questionable is more as like characters and less yeah. like uh things sure. that happen in the movie but he's a hooker with a heart of gold yeah that's true that's true <laughs> well, there's yeah, a lot I, of those in this film yeah that, that's true I, I feel like there's you know it's okay to rehabilitate cops i think like if you if you but it doesn't yeah it doesn't really get explained does he want to be a cop still because yes he he clearly got dishonorably discharged or he got removed from the force because of some sort of you know illicit activity on his part so well, i don't know He's still like fucking over kind of mace, like like as he's trying to sell this stuff to her clients. Like he's right. like a he's like a con man, you know? He's like finagling yeah, yeah. his way in. So it's like almost the whole time you're just like gee, like, you know, yeah, I just can't I just feel bad for Mace continually just being like God, you're just so hung up on this loser, like dangerous piece of shit. Like Well like, yeah. there's the there's the scene where there's the scene where he asks her which is like the the total like like picture perfect narcissist like not even aware uh, like not even self aware you know yeah. he asks her like have you ever been in love with somebody where you know that love is not returned and you still and she looks at him and she's like yeah yeah damn it's like, it's like yeah that's you you fucking asshole right yeah you know yeah. what I mean yeah absolutely uh, uh- yeah, go ahead. Questions, Brandon. Go ahead. Okay, right, right off the top. I mean, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, how – if these cops, these two bad actors or whatever, you know, they're trying to cover up this one shooting and, and Sizemore says, it's like, who would have thought all this from a random traffic stop? They are so fucking bad at being corrupt and getting away with anything. Like <laughs> Where was a good idea to let me unload a full meg at a subway train while this fucking hooker I'm trying to kill is on the subway leaving with full of people, full of witnesses, cops just shooting at a fucking person. A train conductor would immediately stop that shit once they're out of danger, phone the real cops or whatever, like that whole scene, and then just just fucking blasting people. Yeah. At, at the at the fucking Y two K event, and just like everyone's still standing around, no one's clearing out nothing. <laughs> yeah. I was dying. I was dying laughing when those civilians were just and getting like, busted away. More than right. that, more and, and, than a questionable as as far as like why is this happening? It's more of a questionable as like how do these guys ever think they're going to get away with this? Every every act of corruption that they do is in broad sight of other people i mean you know i have to i have to challenge you on this because is this is this that different than what's happening now sure yeah i i I get it but i mean for the purpose of a movie and for audiences they don't want to see what's actually happening now you have to suggest that okay these guys are bad guys and everyone knows it how is this gonna fucking ever turn out in a good way for these guys 
I think that because it's a movie, like that is what it. It's like it's. I agree with you. Okay, I think because it's a movie, it's like there's a hole there. But it's just I also think about like the god complex that cops have, and like every single story that we've heard in the last like three years that's like come out to light is all just like this unimaginable like bullshit that people should not even begin to get away with. And it's like right out there. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, they do anyways. Yeah. So, so I think that because it's a movie, I agree with you, but if we're talking about like real life, I actually think it's like a little more accurate than, than it anyone would think. I, I agree. I mean, the Breonna Taylor case is prime example. The the main cop that shot Breonna Taylor just got promoted in a different county. Yeah, and it was un. There's undeniable, clear evidence of what happened there that it was blatant police malfeasance. Uh, so, but Brandon, to support you, I don't want to make it sound like you know the two of us are like totally like shitting on your your question here I, to support you i do agree that like the way it's depicted in this movie is that these cops are just on like a oh dude a they're shooting. on they're absolutely unhinged it's like yeah. it's like they're making these characters hyperbolic like of course right. i don't think that anyone had ever opened fire in a fucking festival <laughs> shape pursuing somebody for a personal vendetta you're like um, superheroes yeah kind of flying around with their bullets right yeah I, I did think it was funny that yes while they're shooting through that crowd no one is scattering it's just they're just picking people off and everybody's just like hey right. still having a good time yeah. you know if that, people would just be scattering yeah. well hey it's the end of the world anyway just shoot <laughs> <Right>. me cops <laughs> yeah they're, they're used to it it's portland you know okay. i hear that uh, all the time so while i got this tra- while i got this train rolling i'm just gonna run through these uh okay what is happening in that first club scene? I mean, there's like all these shots. There's the live shot of the band. And then there's like book burning going on. And then like all of a sudden there's like, I think a guy getting his nipples pierced like in the <laughs> middle of this fucking scene. There's a bunch of quick shots. I'm going. What? The what? Book burning, yeah. The book burning. I was really confused by. I'm like, what is this fucking Indiana Jones and the last crusade or something? <laughs> right. Um, uh, Let's see. What do we got here? Um, how quickly Lenny changes perspective on Max following Faith for Philo. So she tells him, oh, yeah, Philo's been hiring Max to be a PI and follow me for like over a month now. And then he sees him. And he's like, yeah, I heard about your new job. And then, he, well, no, I'm doing it for you. And he goes, OK, yeah, keep following her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? What does the change of heart all about? Yeah. Uh, Hey, that's what a toxic friendship is like, man. <laughs> okay, so so the the iris scene, I will not buy at any point that she stops fighting back after getting tased. There's that the, when you see from from uh, Max's perspective, and he's handcuffing her hand. It's one hand that he uses one hand to handcuff her. Her other hand isn't doing anything. Are we supposed to believe she's just like stunned completely from being tased? And then he, and then he goes so far as to like handcuff her to a, dr- a towel drying rack, which you could just rip right off the wall. <laughs> and then he strangles her in like two seconds. Anybody knows shit from piss knows it uh, takes fucking a long time to kill somebody by strangulation. So that was bothersome to me. Um, 
Okay, so here's going to be my last one. I do have more, but I want to keep this brief. Um, again, with like how Lenny somehow is able to manipulate these characters in the movie, or he gets manipulated, like the Max thing, with with uh, the scene where um, Mace is trying to give him like the fucking slap in reality. It's like, this is an ambush if you go down there. It's an ambush. And then he gives that whole stupid monologue about meeting Faith. And then she goes, we got a party to get to. <laughs> she just like switches, <laughs> flips the switch. Like, oh yeah, you're right. We should go to that party. What? Right. Yeah, she was pretty adamantly against it, and, and like, and then and then he tells this like dumb fucking sob story about forehead, five head, and 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 now she's on board. You know? Yeah, that yeah, I'll give you that one for sure. It's like a, it's like a it's like a a character flaw. Yeah, or not a character flaw, but like a. Like it's an inconsistent, a character inconsistency. Yeah. 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 There's like, there's the, these characters are, are pretty malleable. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, here's one other thing. Now this is like a physics problem that bothers me. Max falls off the fucking like 50 story building. He, what do you think that size more is in this movie? Like two twenty, two thirty. Yeah. Yeah. 50 feet, 50 stories or so onto that fucking van and it just like clunk dents it that van would be like <laughs> obliterated dude that thing would be like like when you drop a penny from the sears tower and it goes straight through to the dude, center that, of the earth that thing would have been fucking obliterated by a, a 230 pound man falling from a 50 story dude, all of the like, windows would have shattered everything first instead it just like, goes clunk and it's like somebody it's like the same kind of denting as when everybody stood on top of my my bus, you know. I, I just, I, I'm man. pretty sure they've got a scene in Home Alone 2 that is more accurate when it comes to somebody falling on a car. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna reserve my others. We can move on. I've um, got I've got two. Okay. And? The first one, uh, we've established that. Angela Bassett's character Mace is is a badass. We kind of she's just all around like a great human, a great like we we can decipher that she's very smart, right? Yeah. She's intelligent. He he okay, granted he does say, "Hey, give this clip over to the commissioner," right? But my problem and this is questionable in my opinion, why the fuck is this smart, like intelligent person just gonna like her method of getting this info there? Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna just interrupt these <laughs> cops while they're at the sink and just no, he's walk pissing. Yeah, what's that? He's pissing. He's at the John. He's taking there a piss. Okay, even I, 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 okay, even more ludicrous. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna just walk up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go to this this guy and I'm gonna just hand it to him and say, hey, like, okay. Do, do you want to fail? Do you want, yeah. do you want to be fucked up and never happen? Like, right. you know, watch the most of you had one job. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so I didn't buy that at all. Like, that was another thing. It's like, it's like, are you all of a sudden like a dumbass? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, wait for him to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Other one, other one is uh, also involving Mace, but not necessarily as brutal, but. And I'm curious if you guys 
can validate this because I'm not even 100% confident about it. But so they're like on the run, her and Lenny. Like they're like, this situation's fucked up. Like, you know, we're going to take, you know, you know she, she says to what Xander, she's like, we're going to take you to your aunts, right? They get there and all of a sudden it's like, hey, go play with the fireworks, enjoy this party. Like, you're you're in this situation that's like life ending and so intense and so fucked up. I'm keeping my child like at arm's length. They're going inside with me. Like totally. it's not all of a sudden go party and have fun with all these people. Like this is fucked up. This is like Terminator 2 style like every like we are on the run. Like this, everything's dangerous right now. I did not buy that whole thing. Um I thought that was really weird what did you guys think uh, i'm in lockstep with you i'm a, a it's total inconsistency to somebody who gives a shit about anyone <laughs> let alone their <laughs> own child like oh yeah go have a good time now when it, was, it was like a weird it was almost like a weird mood shift yeah like like we are on the run this is fucked up oh great everybody's having a good time go go play with the fireworks right right yeah. So, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Uh, so I have basically only one question, and this goes back to the science involved here. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm a little skeptical on the science of the squid itself. I don't understand why they couldn't have just developed this, like you were saying, Patrick, into being kind of like an Oculus sort of scenario. I don't understand why it had to be this thing that just attaches to the top of your head that somehow penetrates into your brain and creates hallucinations. I just find that a little far fetched. Why couldn't they, why couldn't it have just been something that goes over your eyes and then you're, you know, like any other virtual reality device. It's Bluetooth. I, (laughs) I think, I think the reason they had to do something like almost like with, when it comes to receptors, because like you're supposed to be seeing this, but also feeling it at the same time. So it's like virtual reality. I mean, obviously like you're supposed to be immersed in it. So it's supposed to be give off this intense feeling in in general, but it's not, you are technically just viewing it. Right. So I think that like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they probably could have done it like in a way that was like more easily explained scientifically. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time for a, for audience and a quick visual cue, it can't just be probably like a visor headset because people already know about VR. They did that in Lawnmower Man. They did that in all kinds of movies and stuff. This has got to oh, yeah. be like – this is a new experience. So sure. they put it on their head to like give this you know, visual display to the audience that this is like some new groundbreaking thing. I think it's probably <laughs> just for the, um, for the uh, aesthetics sure like what kind of loops do you think we could do like what if like what if i wear one and then i'm hanging out with john yeah but he's experiencing me and then he's wearing one but wait no (laughs) and then you're and then brandon has one on too so we're like human centipeding our experience though you know, yeah, you're getting you're getting intercepted. This is some you're getting into some interception. Yeah, like what uh, can we do? How can we have fun with this tech? This is you more know, like a Christopher Nolan thing. That That's you're a, sorry, it, I yeah. meant Inception. Yes, 
This is like a Christopher. This is quickly developing into a Christopher Nolan sort of <laughs> scenario here. <laughs> well, I buy. I buy at least you know utilizing the squid to perceive things more than I did with Brain Scan, where it's just like what you just sit in a chair and put in a, a, a DVD <laughs> and, you're and then fucking like, living. <laughs> yeah. Then you're there. <laughs> totally. Okay, yeah. uh, that was good. So uh, I think we should move along because we're we're at a good clip. You're going to get yourself killed for this. Oh, for this toxic waste, bitch. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, this is your life. Right here. Right now. It's real time. You hear me? Real time. Time to get real, not playback. You understand me? She doesn't love you anymore. Maybe she did once, I don't know, but she doesn't now. These are used emotions. It's time to trade them in. Memories were meant to fade, Lenny. They're designed that way for a reason. Let's go to the back half of the podcast, and we're going to move into our awards and categories section, but we're going to start it off with quotes. Patrick, you were saying you feel like this is a very one-liner-laden movie, so go ahead, give us some choice quotes that you have oh man i should have uh should have actually should have actually uh you know actually copy, some. Copy paste some some in there. <laughs> that wasn't in my questions um right. oh shit unprepared but, shit. but there was a uh, like him he gave this whole like his whole like monologue or soliloquy or whatever about the and he mentions being the santa claus of the soul I, i'll tell it because i wrote i wrote it <laughs> yeah, down okay, yeah. okay. I, i'll help you out he's talking he's selling it to that uh lawyer or whatever yeah. and he goes i'm your priest i'm your shrink i'm your main connections connection uh the switchboard of the soul i'm their magic man i'm the santa claus of the subconscious yeah yeah i had that one down <laughs> Uh, I'm a bitch. I'm a liar. <laughs> it goes along with the same sort of cadence, but yes, I, I had that one down as well. Out in 1995, <laughs> I'm the Santa Claus getting the shit kicked out of him by a bunch of hookers of the subconscious. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I like yes, I like that there was that line, and then they cut to the Santa Claus actually getting the fuck beat out of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I I'm gonna take one here. Um, I have two, well, I have a bunch of them actually, but I'm just going to mention two. Um, <laughs> I like when he, when Lenny meets the commissioner, when he's going in to meet the, the client and they get in Mesa's car and the, the commissioner's kind of alludes to him getting fired, you know, and all this shit. And, he, and the commissioner says, I don't like disappointments, Nero. You want to know what disappoints me? And then Nero jumps in and he goes, your sex life. <laughs> See, got I had that one too. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, and then the other one that I wanted to mention was um, Mace to Lenny and that hard talk moment at the end before he convinces her all of a sudden to go to the party. He says, uh, memories are, she says, memories are meant to fade. They're designed that way for a reason. Uh, that's something I think about a lot lately you know, dealing with tragedy and shit or like someone dying and you go, Oh, I'm so worried. I'm not going to ever remember this person. It's like, well, that's part of the way of getting through it is elements yeah. of a memory fade. You know, it just kind of resonated with me in a different way, but I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that was a good, very, uh, 
very thoughtful, philosophical line. And also, this kind of uh, ties into the the uh, wiki wormhole here. Somebody already had this, but uh, when he delivers that line, he is doing it against uh, the backdrop of an elephant poster, and an elephant is symbolic for being kind of an animus of of memory. Oh, mm, ah, you know, interesting. The, ele- the elephant, you know, never forgets. Gotcha. So, yeah. Another thing I really like about that quote, Brandon, is that it's like it it is perfectly in line with Mace's morality, in 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 the sense of why she is so against these people doing this shit. Yeah. It kind of like, I like that that quote just kind of like wraps it up. Yeah. Well, when you see her little flashback, how she meets Nero, it totally makes sense that she would believe memories are meant to fade. Yeah. I I don't want to, I cannot survive if I'm recalling this shit perfectly every day, you know? Right. Yeah. I liked that. It kind of like just reinforced like her logic Right. And, you know, the reason for her hard stance on this, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did have a question that that brought up because we're talking about that flashback of when she meets Lenny. Sorry, I didn't quite get this. What exactly it happened? Is it impl- what is it implied that her ex-husband does? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when they're going in the house, they're they're the crime scene guy taking shots on the on the ground. It seems like maybe they murdered someone. Him yeah, and another yeah. guy coming out. Yeah, because she said you did this in front of your own son. I think it's just more like whatever dumbass like crime shit that her ex was into happened in front of their son, and she was just like, "Fuck." You right. Know? It doesn't. I that know. I had to really... wind it back because I didn't catch it either. Yeah. I actually really liked that part. Me too. Yeah. I thought it was real powerful scene. Yeah. But Nero is also dressed like a porn star when he's a cop. Like, damn, that was that was one of my small questions. That he's allowed to just like swank his fuck at 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 he has the sideburns and shit. Yeah, wasn't, <laughs> like, he, wasn't he wearing just like a regular, almost like FBI jacket? Kind yeah, of? Totally. yeah. And he's got his long, suave hair. Anyway, yeah, I feel like they didn't uh, they didn't really touch enough on like why does she like him though? Right. You know, like he's consoling the child and That's probably stuff why. like that. That's it. But it's like, yeah, was it just like because of the trauma and like that kind of thing? And because he's like a total manipulative fucking nutcase. So maybe that's that <laughs> yeah, factors into they were, it. They were the purpose of that scene was almost to try and think like, okay, like at the end of the day, like she, he still did this, like he was still in the right place at the right time, almost like this heroic figure in that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, but it really, it, to be honest, it doesn't hold much weight. There's yeah. going to be a cop on the scene, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if they have any kind of conscience, they're going to try and console a child. Does that now just become, does that now just become your best friend for life? Whoever yeah, it is. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's not like he saved his life. Right. Uh, John, do you have any quotes? I do. Um, just one. And I just really, really loved when Max says, you know, it's not about how paranoid you are. It's about if you're paranoid enough. That is so fucking legit. Yeah, for sure. Question everything, right? Well, it's like that Nirvana line. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. So, and it's like that Amoebix line. Relax. It's only paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I really like that. I, that's just like that's like a how I live my life. You know. That resonated with me because it's like, fuck yeah, speak the truth, you know? Sure. Uh, 
So you said you only had the one? John? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, we all know how I felt about that dog fart quote. <laughs> I had one where he's where he's talking about getting into utilizing the squid or whatever, you know, getting hooked up to it. I feel like this is a very good one-liner for product placement where he just says, have you ever jacked in? Oh, uh, yeah. You ever get jacked? You ever yeah. jacked in? You ever wire tripped? <laughs> I actually, I actually had that whole scene in my good was that that his monologue of like trying to sell the product and it's not you're not just watching something you're living someone's life. Yeah, yeah, that whole monologue was like quotable. It's very good. All right, so let's move into our awards then. So at the top we've got the Derek Zoolander Award for the biggest idiot in the movie. Think most of us are going to agree on this, but go ahead, somebody just say it, Max. Oh, it's Max. Well, I okay, okay, I didn't expect that one. Uh, I, I, I was gonna say Lenny, but yeah, that's. But it could be Mace because she keeps falling for this yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, I had Lenny as my obvious just because he's like the screwball main character, but I just even even though Max ended up being like the mastermind at the end, like behind it, it's like. I still couldn't help but think like this guy is a fucking idiot throughout the whole movie. Like, yeah, I didn't really think it took a whole lot of intelligence to pull any of that off, to be honest. Yeah. I want to go back to kind of talking about one thing I did like about this movie though, uh, was the twists and turns where it kind of makes you always second guess who you think is behind all of it. For most of it, I was, I, I thought at least midway through the movie, I was like, oh, it's going to be Philo. Yeah. But then they kind of turn that on its head. Well, so. right. And then just, just the elements that they throw in this. There's corruption. There's all of the fucking unrest going on. But then when they add the neuro video of uh, Max being like a killer, he's like a serial killer. I yeah. mean, his methodology, I'm going, damn, this movie goes in a lot of – like it takes cues from a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was just a little sidebar that I wanted to add back there. Uh, but I was going to say also for maybe Biggest Idiots, uh, the two main cops, like oh, we yeah. were saying, oh, right. what a couple of fucking boners. Dude, well, <laughs> yeah, let's just shoot at these fucking people in a, a gigantic crowd of people. Let's shoot at this lady, a full fucking Meg on a subway train. You know? Hey, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back to the same logic I used earlier. They <laughs> actually do what they do well. Yeah. yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. Total fucking idiots. Yeah, real, real life or imaginary fucking idiots. Cops yeah. are idiots. Um, okay, the Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Award for best wardrobe and makeup. I gotta get. Sorry, John. Oh. I gotta give it to my girl. Yeah. Hey, no I'm, that's I'm, I'm, that's slinky dress she's damn, got dude. on the whole time. All the ladies are looking mail. good. Whoever but, played yeah. whoever played Iris was looking good. Oh, yeah. Everyone was looking good. And in fact, with the kind of movie this is, this was a really hard one for me because everyone looks fucking insane. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever designed Juliet Lewis's birthday suit, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, she had that that chainmail getup that she wore. Like, two, or there was like two well, different ch- chainmail dresses. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Not that I'm like really looking, you know, that close. You can look. Uh, um, I think she then, wants you to look. 
what so yeah i think they definitely win but then there was one scene too where they're putting the squid on this guy who had really long curly hair <laughs> and they put the squid on and then on top of it they put a wig that's like straight hair <laughs> and then they just like send him on and i was just like thinking of all these looks like same thing with i really like sizemore's hair too you know like yeah, as a fellow yeah. evil blonde person yeah. just like this out of place blonde long hair like it was i okay. forgot i forgot that that sizemore had this like long rocker hair in this movie <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so I'm saying he, he looks like uh, later to nowadays period Vince Neil. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all bloated with crummy ass blonde hair. Uh, I gotta look. I gotta. Um, the guy that played what was his name? Tick. Tick. Yeah. Tick. Oh yeah. Uh, his name is Richard Edson. I think I, he he gets my award just because. Oh uh, yeah. He sold the part for me that he's like this scumbag video file fucking weirdo um yeah because said i mean this award could go to tons of people in the movie even the extras but for the characters that you see a lot tick with his icky mustache and his fucking just whole get up i, th- I thought was pretty good yeah. I'll agree with that. i didn't really have one for this so i'm gonna go with brandon's choice on that one all right the Cosmo Kramer Award for the most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Packer? Yeah, so that's kind of – I'm glad you brought up Tick just now because <laughs> I've been like waiting because I love this this fucking guy. I mean yeah. he's like the – just the – he's from – like this, 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 this actor, you know, uh, Richard Edson, looking him up. He was the original drummer of Sonic Youth. Whoa! Really? Like, yeah, that's like, fucking what the hell? Hell? shit. Man. Yeah, that's, so that's that's some trivia shit for later. But like, still, it's just like, okay, that's interesting. And then just hit him in Super Mario Bros. Like the, you know, the '90s one. Yeah. Um, just yeah, just something about this guy. I could definitely see him in a Seinfeld like Dude. episode. I had to like look it up. Like, is he? Because he's like, yeah, so per like he's. Yeah, I I said the same. I said I I gave it to. Uh, Edson again for that award. He, I mean, he's, a, he's like, a pretty quintessential that guy. Yeah, he's yeah. like an eccentric goof goofball. Like he belongs totally... in, he belongs in the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like Foot Clan, like <laughs> HQ. You know, like he's yeah. in there playing video games, selling like whippets or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I a great c- cyberpunk junkie swindler yeah, guy. Think- I was going to say, I think Tick is a, is a good one for this for this category. What do you, what do you think, John? I agree. I agree. Unanimous. I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll I, I, totally. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the 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 next one. I was like confusing myself for a second. Like, but yes, Seinfeld, sure. Well, that being said, uh, the last award goes to the uh, who would be the Danny Trejo I totally am fucking this up let me start that over you'll just edit that the last award goes to uh, fuck god damn it take three, take three. <laughs> the last award is the Danny Trejo award for a character most likely to have a spinoff what do we got John go ahead I'm gonna go with Mace yeah. um, okay. I just think she's such a strong character and would have a very very excellent like fucking Law and Order type spinoff oh, for sure, you know? of course. Yeah, 
couldn't really lock down like what her deal was because she's so badass. She's got a gun like in her underwear. She drives like a bulletproof limo. <laughs> yeah, like she yeah, kicks the know. thing in. There's a chromed out shotgun in there. She beats the shit out of two cops. Like who the fuck is this lady? Why is she hanging out with Lenny? What the fuck yeah. is happening yeah. here? What, what is her origin story? For she's sure. like a vampire killer or something. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you can totally see her she's... be like in Blade or something. <laughs> yeah, she and should her, be her, Blade. And her own weakness is when someone sits next to her son on a bed yeah, yeah her one weakness is this piece of shit yeah. that's all it takes yeah i like that one and you guys got anything else yeah um i i don't really know what type of show but just because the dude has like an enamoring cigarettes and whiskey voice and he's just a strange character i was gonna give it to michael wincott the philo uh that dude any movie he's in pulls me in and I could see him in like a a fucking like crime anti-hero type of role in a in some kind of spin-off for sure. So Yeah, he's sick uh, or he could be like a producer who like gets all these girl <laughs> bands and then he like sells some weird <laughs> drugs and yeah. ha- and has like a weird uh eccentric collection of swords. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> just eating, just smoking eyeballs and shit. <laughs> it's like, Wait a minute! <sighs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with both those as well. <clears throat> John, where'd you go? Sorry, dudes, I have to plug in my laptop. I'll be right there. He's got to get more mini sandwich snacks. Yeah. Sorry, I'm. I, I'm I'm actually on my way to Trader Joe's. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, get some more sandwiches. <laughs> he stepped out for a pack of fucking sandwiches and never came back. Get comfy. Put your blanket back on. Yeah. Maximum. Dude, this, is, this is this is how I roll, you guys. You are like, yeah, maximum cozy. You got a blanket, got snacks. I like how you're rolling with this one. I was hoping <laughs> to tell you a bedtime story, actually. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the this this is the weird like dichotomy of my life. Like I was literally just strangling someone to death in my basement before yeah. this, and now I'm just chilling with Trader Joe's snacks. <laughs> That's actually not that weird to sociopaths, which we all know you are. We all know it. <laughs> um, what did you have for uh, the character most likely to have a spinoff? Anything? Uh, you talking to me now? Yeah, you. Hey, I'm, I'm talking to you. He I'm started this out. He said Mace. Yeah, I was the one that said Mace. <laughs> Oh shit! I'm sorry, man. You are boning this <laughs> Dude, biggest biggest rube of midnight flicks, Adam Walker. That's me. That goes to me. All right, moving on then. Body count. Does anybody have a body count on this one? Well, I mean, there's clearly a lot of just uh, chaotic cop fire in this. So the only, the only person who would have been meticulous enough to count them is Brandon. So whatever I, Brandon says, I'm in. I'm down. I counted, I'm pretty sure Lenny got beat up maybe six times in the movie. Yeah, but that's not a body count. He's got to be dead. I know, but, yeah. but, but oh, dude, that yeah. was important to me because I yeah. wanted because I noticed he was getting his ass kicked a lot. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, he gets worked over a lot. He pulls, out, he pulls out a new watch. He's always like getting his ass kicked. And he's like, here, take this watch. And they like wrap it around their hand, just punch yeah. him in the face with it. It's just like, of that, uh, speaking of that, just because nobody mentioned it so far. Him writing down the number of the hotel room with his own blood, yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. I did like that part a lot. So, okay, let's just talk it out. Um, there's a couple we can't know that they died because they were shot during that big mass scene at the end. So mm. we don't really know. So the two cops, 
su- suicide and then death by cop. So you got them. You've got uh, Start at I- the end. Iris. Go oh, kind of. I'm just. <laughs> so you got the two cops. You got Iris. You've got uh, Philo. Right. Does that count? Oh, he got shot in the head. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Dude, I was hoping when they were <laughs> struggling over the gun and it shot the mirror that they just kept shooting him. <laughs> the straight bullets just keep hitting him in the head. Okay. And then Max, that's five. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Max, that's five. Um, and, then the, and then Jericho and his his bodyguard or whatever. And and the and the other lovely lady they had with them, she got shot. Oh, that's right. When she's running away, so that's yeah. eight. We're at eight. Eight. Well, the beginning scene, the guy falls off the building. Nine. He dies. Their partner also dies because he runs out to the cops and hear a bunch of gunshots. I'd assume maybe yeah. he dies. We don't see it. I, I had to watch that a couple times because I thought the gunfire was the other guy shooting down the stairwell. They were shooting back and forth, but I think before that, when he ran out, there was like a couple shots. Okay, Adam, weigh in on know. this. Can we assume? Because if we can assume there's a death there, you can assume that the four people that got shot at the end also died in the Those crowd. people are dead, dude. Yeah, I'd see at least three, if not all four, you know. So we're up in like the 10 plus region. I'm cool with guys- Sorry, did you guys count the one cop, uh, Strickland's partner, shooting himself in the head? In the yeah, face? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the, did, my first did, two, was the both cops. Okay. He made that bullet look good. You know, that thing looked like a little mini cheese sandwich. He was like, <laughs> ow. Mm. <laughs> do, we, do we count whoever was dead at the scene of uh, Mace's ex? Well, didn't, we don't, we, we haven't confirmed that actually. Yeah, yeah. A death. That's fine. So, now, I'm just going to put it at a solid 10 plus. The dead dog? Dead dog count? Or dogs are pretty resilient. Yes. They might have lived. Yeah. No, dog, <laughs> animals count. We, we, we count animals, so dead dog. Okay. Fine. So. Okay, so let's just say 10 plus. Uh, all right, so now it's time for the wiki wormhole. Uh, Patrick, did you have trivia for this? Well, I mean, so that was one was uh, was Richard Edson being right. the original drummer of Sonic Youth. That's pretty incredible. I found another one that I actually gonna admit I didn't fucking see it, but the riot cop that tells Mace to get on the ground in the final yeah. scene is Mark Hamill. Oh wow! Oh yeah, I didn't notice that either. Why would huh. they pay his fucking rate to Maybe be he was- that? He was hanging out. He was hanging out on set, getting some squid, some squid, buying some squid tapes and shit. <laughs> some, some, uh, some, uh, some blackjack clips. Yeah, yeah. He was getting. I don't deal know. blackjack. Yeah, you know that Mark Hamill is a squitter. Yeah, oh yeah. He's a <laughs> he's a playback head or whatever they're called. <laughs> a tape head. Tape. Uh, Brandon, do you got anything? Um, I was just. I mean. It's not really that notable because I'm sure you guys know Juliet Lewis has a band. I'm, yes. I'm sure that's why she was kind of picked to do her own vocal performances. Yeah, the licks. The licks. So Juliet Lewis performed all of her own uh, music performances. And then the party scene was actually a rave. It was promoted by Phil Blaine. It was called Millennium. Aphex Twin, Lady Miss Kier, and Doc Martin, among others, were live performers. I mean, there's a bunch of little tidbits, but. Yeah, I wanted to bring up this one. In the scene where Lenny uses uses the squid to watch a clip of his past with Faith, Faith throws a blue towel 
at him and says, dry me. Dry me. It is a reference to Blue, to Blade Runner, where Zora throws a towel at Deckard oh, and yeah. says the same line. Oh, good. That's good. So there's that one. Oh, and I messed up. That man, uh, I, I didn't pronounce him correctly. The one you were referring to, Patrick, with the lady with the face paint, it's Skunk Anansi. That's what I meant. I said right. Anazazi. I, I fucked up. Oh, okay. Uh, Spider God. See. And yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just honorary honorary wiki wormhole, even though it's already been said. I just want to, sh- you know, reiterate the the mighty ducks and speed, uh, <laughs> the mighty ducks and speed crossovers here. Just with those two, yeah. Because clearly they're in the same universe. I mean, when no, is, no doubt about it. When mighty, did speed mighty come ducks. out in '98 or something? I mean, I want to say the speed crow. Came These are all 90, the same place. Yeah, '96 maybe. Yeah, I mean. Mighty Ducks, there is no question that Mighty Ducks is post-Strange Days. Sure. <laughs> After all the dust is cleared and society kind of recollects itself and everybody can go kind of go about their business. That you, guy you can get back to peewee hockey right after they <laughs> race this cop thing. It's fine. Well, that's just yeah. happening in the burbs, you know. That's just basically what's happening nowadays. Like, you know, cities, a bunch of shit's happening. The burbs, they're just playing – you got Emilio, you know. I can, I can attest to that. Peewee hockey is my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Uh, there's one. Uh, uh, one of the two movies where Juliet Lewis' character has a fight with Tom Sizemore. The other being Natural Born Killers. Yeah, definitely. That is a mean fucking fight. Yeah, it is. All right. Cool. Well, this has been fantastic. I think we can uh, go ahead and move on to rating this movie but first off as always we have to come up with an iconography i think um i'm pretty sure what people are going to come up with but uh patrick this was your movie so what do you got for iconography for this um what do you mean exactly so like like, i'll give you an example because i'll give you mine uh if you had out of five of something so like five stars you know iconography from the movie mine would be like five um squid fucking rocker wigs right okay. I, I mean i would like to share mine if it if possible but go ahead John. yeah mine would be five random anti-semitic book burnings in the middle of a rave <laughs> <laughs> five five santa clauses being beat up by tricks yeah, yeah i'll go with yeah. either one of those so, so you get the gist of it, Patrick. What, yeah. what, what do you think? I think I would do that. I think I would do five five Santa Claus hats, you know, because I'm trying to – I was counting. I was like, how many references are going to be in this movie to Santa Claus? I was like, is this a Christmas movie or is it a New Year's movie? When do I watch this goddamn movie every year? So let me take that and I'll raise you five Santa Claus Claws hats that have wigs in them that also have the squid devices. You know he was wearing them. one because he's got to sell. He's got to sell the clip Ooh. of him getting beat up by prostitutes. <laughs> oh, okay, for that, yeah. I'm into it. All right. So, so okay. So is that what we're gonna do? I'm, I'm game. You, I've, you've convinced me. I've moved to your side. Five, five squid wig Santa Claus hats out of five. Patrick, you love this movie. What do you give it? Oh, I give it five. I give it. Of course, you it's do. It's a perfect film. Brandon, what do you give it? <laughs> it was super entertaining, but of course, as you know, I I re- reserve the right for perfect scores. I'd give it four fucking Santa squids. Hats. <laughs> John, 
I'm gonna you're, give always, it, you're always the naysayer. So what do you what do you give this? I'm gonna give it three and a half Santa squid hats. That's a really good rating for me, though. It is. That, yeah, that's, that's a high rating. Leaps and bounds over some. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give it four as well. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I it was, you know, again, I like Catherine Bigelow, so I expected her to deliver the goods, and she did with this one. So. My uh, Santa squid wig hat goes off to her, <laughs> and so, dude. And then, and then your, and then your clip goes off to Lenny, right? <laughs> yes. Of this whole experience. So one final yeah. thing we got to do to kind of bring it all together with why we do this: Do we consider this a midnight movie? What do we think? Oh, dude. I mean, for me, the fact that I think this was an HBO like film um like you're saying pat you saw it initially on hbo it's again on streaming on hbo max um yeah with with the gratuitous violence and like the the rape and this the cultural content going on i would say that it i would i would put it at like a 12 or 12 30 movie it's right in there yeah this is a 1 a.m or for me yeah yeah, I agree. Like I said, kind of, I think I said it off mic. I feel like this is a perfect movie for this podcast. Yeah. So well done, my friend. Well done. Mm. Hey, thank you. Santa, you, you did Santa hats off to you, sir. Well, Patrick, it's been really fantastic having you on. I really thank you for doing this. This is really great. We love having guests on. So, yeah, no, thanks a lot. That was super, super fun. I'm glad I could like, yeah bring this film up and chat with some people about it you know like have a reason to really dive in because uh yeah for some reason i don't know why it just kind of just does something it's like it's just i think it belongs i think it belongs it's a yeah <laughs> dude it's an unsung hero of of kind yeah. of sci-fi thrillers and like kinda, cyberpunk dude. like the cyberpunk genre there's not a lot of films like that really do it so right. yeah my first time seeing it, i loved it so thank yeah, you Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Awesome. Same. I think it's a hidden gem. Okay. So for next week, then we're back up to the top and John, you get to pick the movie. This is your, this is the beginning of your cycle. So I'm really excited, John, what are you going to bring for us? All right. Well, I'm actually going to do something a little different and I'm going to ask you guys a question first. What? When it comes to the year 1973, what do you guys think of? Vanishing point. Vanishing point. I think of doing I think of doing trucker math and fucking crossing the country as fast as you can in a hot rod. Right on. There's no wrong answer here. Adam, what is what do you think of nineteen seventy-three? What do I think of nineteen seventy-three? I probably think of Black Sabbath, what that would be volume four, or maybe Deep Purples, uh Burn, I think came out. I think of heavy rock and roll, I think of bikers. I think of, I think of a lot of occult shit. All That's right. what I think of. Nineteen seventy-three. Right. What about you, Patrick? Yeah, I think of um, kind of like coming to consciousness, waking up, uh, kind of dusting off my red suit, uh, picking <laughs> up my hat, you know, and kind of like the squid that's inside, and like putting it back on. <laughs> And then kind of like going somewhere to kind of rewatch this footage of these like hookers beating the shit out of me um, that I'm going to sell. 
well, in 1973, no less. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very ahead of your time. The, so, yeah. The, yeah. So, the Santa experience of 40 years past. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the Santa Claus of 1973's subconscious. <laughs> you know what? Okay. Somehow I think Patrick's answer is the closest. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be watching the Michael Crichton classic Westworld, Westworld. as our next uh, Ooh. Wow. next film. Yep. Nice. Hell yeah. That's a, that, okay. I'll... I didn't see that one coming, so good to know. Yeah, you probably thought I was going to say the Mighty Ducks or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll come later. Yeah, yeah that, I'm actually, I'm changing it. We're doing Mighty Ducks. Yeah, switch, it, switch it. No, yeah, we'll, we'll do Westworld. Cool. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. Our outro music and band of the week is going to be none other than Drouth. And Patrick, what song are we going to listen to here? Yeah, go check out Drouth track, um, an apiarist. It's off of our 2020 vinyl release of uh, excerpts from a dread liturgy um, out on Translation Lost Records. And you, uh, speaking of Translation Lost, you're going to go out on tour soon with your label mates. Reburied. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a big, like, uh, or not big, but whatever, a two-week kind of tour of the Southwest. Drouth is heading to, like, basically ending up in Texas and then turning around. And then on the way back, we're joining up with the Reburied for four dates on the way back, ending in Seattle, uh, playing Terrafest, so, or, you know, Ooh. Northwest Terrafest. So. Nice. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good to know. All right, and if you want to get a hold of us, we do have an email that you can contact us, and it is midnightflixpod at gmail.com. We have an Instagram as well at midnightflixpodcast. And signing off for my co-host, I'm Adam Walker. We'll see you in the future of the past, 1973, next time. Okay.